Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, everyone. This is Paul Brennan, PGA professional with Believe in Tennessee Golf here on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? Our show is a breakdown of all things golf in the Volunteer State. We will cover men's and women's golf tournaments, professional amateur events, and dive into junior golf as well. We'll talk to the players, the instructors, and the organizers. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate us on iTunes. You can also find us in your favorite directories, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminaire, TuneIn. You can find us on Believe.com or at Believe Podcast. You can follow me on Instagram at pbrandon 21 or on Twitter at QIC underscore golf pro so here we are through the holiday weekend into july midsummer golf balls traveling a long way when you're out there playing right now under the heat and humidity and this one we the pro-am series all took a week off for the holiday and so we're really just going into the the listeners questions um talking about We'll cover scoring today. We'll cover how to hit the shot under control and minimizing your um, your miss hit, uh, your off lines, um, working on your traditional or your conventional shot shape and playing that one shot unless you just have to hit it. Um, but again, just working on scoring, improving your game as we go through this. So the first question comes in um, from Mike, and Mike's wanting to know how to improve his scoring. Um, so Mike, one of the big things that I work with with my students is building a grid, building a program uh, of knowing how far left and right your ball flight moves, but also knowing how short and how long it goes. Um I was fortunate enough to go through a seminar with Scott Fawcett, who really came up with this system. I've just kind of manipulated it my way. Um, but he has Decade Golf, and you can find his stuff through Birdie Fire, um, and he does an amazing job of presenting the information. He's got an app that can track a lot of this stuff for you. But the biggest things we've seen is he's gone through and studied the numbers, and, and I've talked about him before, Mark Brody, shots gained guy. Um, and they've just... They've analyzed the numbers. So the biggest thing I talk about with my students is finding a grid. So I was having a particular playing lesson uh, this afternoon. And as we're playing the last five or six holes where I'm really involved in the lesson itself, I just started picking my start points for my student. Um, we've been working on a swing, coming more into out, hitting this little baby draw, and it works really good on his short, his mid-irons. As the clubs get a little bit longer, it has a little bit of a tendency for the ball to leak right, but we're still making the same in-to-out swing motion that we work on. And so we expect and predict the driver to leak a little right. So we would pick a target. We'd aim just a little on the left side. It was a position that if we hit it straight, it was great. If it leaked off the right, it was fine. If it turned over left, it would still be fine. We're just maximizing the the potential, the area, the landing zone that is the golf ball. And a couple of good drives a day just blistered them right down there. Had just a little baby fade, no more than 5, 10 yards. Wound up in the right side of the fairway and, and had the great looks at the green. 
So once we start to build our grids with our drivers, our irons, all the way through the mix, so now we just figure out that if you're hitting a shot from 150 yards and your ball might go 15 yards left or 15 yards right, you have a 30-yard grid left to right. So if the green's 40 yards wide, you can aim at the middle of the green, and you're going to hit the green more consistently. Um, so instead of shooting at pins, more of shooting at the middle of the green, giving ourselves opportunities. There was a stat a couple of weeks ago during the U.S. Open. Uh, Jordan Spieth had a um, a putt of 33 feet, and the commentators were talking about he had a 6% chance of making it and a 7% chance of three-putting it. And so the best players in the world from outside 30 feet make as many as they three-putt. So our goal is just to kind of do the same thing, make sure that we're getting it close enough to two-putt and get on. So it's from 170, 180 yards, tour pros don't make a lot of birdies. They're making pars. So if we can start to do that same thing, then we'll see our scoring go down. So, Mike, again, this I can dive into this one for days and years. Um, but the biggest thing you can do at your skill level, and again, it really doesn't matter what skill level you are, it's... Pick targets that are big enough that you can miss left or right and be okay. Um, so, again, is it shooting at the middle of every green? Yeah, when you don't have a wedge in your hand, pretty much. Um, when you have your wedges and the ball doesn't turn as much, then, yeah, go ahead and shoot some pins and try and make some birdies. But if you want to improve your scoring, get your shots closer to the green. We call it near the green, anything within 20 yards. And we see the best players in the world do it 17 out of 18 times, and they make their up and downs look easy, and they avoid the bogeys. And that's the quickest way to avoid bogeys is hit it in the middle of the green, and you're going to two-putt more than you three-putt, and you're going to get off the hole with a par. So, Mike, next couple of rounds, aim at the center of the green, see if that starts to help your scoring. I'd love to hear back from you, see how it goes. Um, next question comes in from Ralph, and Ralph is asking about how the shots are hit, or the guys on tour and girls on tour hit the shots for control with their wedges. And so one of the biggest things we'll talk about on this um, is they've learned what a 25% swing or a 50% swing or 75% swing uh, Dave Pels talks about it in his scoring chapter in the Short Game Bible about finding a 7.30, a 9.30, a 10 o'clock, and a 12 o'clock position and hitting those shots. And then by having multiple wedges, you can see this. Um, so you may have three shots that go 60 yards, but one's going to come in higher and stop quicker. One's going to come in lower and run more. Um, so, Ralph, one of the great things you really look at is do a search for Brooks Kepka yardage book. His is one of the most detailed I've ever seen. So when you look from his pitching wedge up to his driver, he has three swing numbers in his yardage book. He has a three quarters, he has a uh, uh, full, and then he has a max. And, you know, so it's for allows him, if he's got a pitching wedge, then his three quarter swing is like 140, 145, and his Full swing is like 150, 155, and his max, he can actually get 160 out of it. So it allows him to have multiple distances out of each club. But then when you look at the bottom of his yardage book, he has his lob wedge, his sand wedge, and his medium wedge. And he has his small swing, his medium swing, his three-quarter swing, his full swing, his max. So he actually has five different swing 
percentages that he hits his wedges at. Um, and you'll he has a small swing with his um, medium wedge, which would be his gap wedge is like 80 to 85 yards. And then his sand wedge at a medium swing is, again, about 85, 88 yards. And then his lob wedge, three-quarter swing is 90 yards. So he has three different clubs that he can play in that 85 to 90-yard range. And so by hitting those shots, now, again, if it's a back pin, he'll hit the one that comes in higher, spins quicker. Um, if he has um, a front pin, he's going to hit the shot that comes in a little bit lower and rolls more. Um, so that way he's always guaranteed to give himself the better look at putt. Um, so Ralph, one of the things I'd really talk about, I worked with this on my students as well, it's building your uh, wedge gapping. So it's go through and hit all your wedges, whether you're carrying three, four, five wedges, whatever you want to do there, and figure out what a full swing is with them. And chart those numbers. Then go back and make a three-quarter swing with all of them. Now, it's never going to be 75%. I know I've talked about this one before, but it's never going to be 75%, but you're going to find that position for you. Uh, and then you're going to hit a 50, you're going to hit a 25, and so if you have four wedges and, and four swings, you have 16 different distances to kind of play into that. So, Ralph, as you go through this, you're just going to use small turns, again, for the 25% shot. I'm going to say club is about knee-high, uh, 50% about waist high, but you're going to make small turns and accelerate through to hit those shots and start to find those wedge gappings. Um, so again, more questions coming in on the short game. Great drills to work on um, to get the scoring back down or working on your chipping and your putting. And so Joel comes in with what drills do I need to work on to improve my game and take it to the next level. Well, the next level can mean a lot of different things, Joel. Um, one of the things I talk about so much is handicap, dropping it or, or tracking your stores. Um, when we go through and, and look at fairways hitting percentage and greens hit percentage and number of putts per round, we can really populate where you're going to be shooting based on those numbers and where your skill levels are. Um, I know I'll talk a lot about stat tracking, and I'm, I'm big into it. I use the shot scope, and so it kind of does everything for me on my phone. Um, after I play the round, I can go back and look at it. But where I see, again, knowing my game, I need to work on my iron game. So that's what I work on. Um, but, Joel, we're going to talk about your short game. So one of the best putting drills um, that I can work with, with a student or personally myself, and I know I talked about the five days of putting to Phil Kenyon's a couple episodes back, but using the putting tutor, um, I, I know that when I was working on my game a couple of days ago, this is what I set up. I put it on a 10-footer, slightly breaking left to right, and got it locked in with the tee so it wouldn't move. And I just line up the ball, go through my whole routine, and just practice making 10-footers. Um, if you saw some of the coverage of the match this week with uh, Mickelson, Brady, and DeChambeau and Rogers. Mickelson did a putting drill um, where the for every one he made, he donated so much to charity. But he set up on a 10-footer, and he had somebody put the ball down, and he'd hit the butt. Put the ball down, hit the putt. Had another guy picking up from the hole, and he just got it in a simplified setup that all he had to do was make the same stroke over and over, and he had it locked in on consistency. Well, that's kind of what I was doing with the putting tutor. Um, I get that set up on that 10-footer, 
and the PJ Tour makes half of their putts from eight feet. So when I'm putting ten feet, I'm actually hitting a putt that I'm not going to make the majority of the time in competition. But once I get this system set up, whether it's my ruler, my tutor, my ball gate, whatever I'm using there, Joel, I just get in the rhythm of making 10-footers. So I'd make two or three in a row and miss one. Again, make two, three, four, five in a row, miss one. But I got in the habit of making 10-footers. As soon as I did that, I was able to take it to the golf course that day, and my putting was much improved. So I really like working three to five footers, but as soon as you get that confidence in making some longer ones, um, outside that 8-10 feet range, then the confidence starts to go up because you start to feel like you can make anything. So doing some training drills with the tutor, the gate drill, to get that feeling is a great putting drill. Another really good putting drill I've used for years uh, is you putt out and play the hole. So in if you have nine holes in your putting green, you can take one ball, put a rotation from hole to hole to hole to hole, you track how many under being a one putt, how many over being a three putt, or even par being a two putt, you are after nine holes. And, just, and then go back and play them in a different order so you're not putting the same putts all the time. Um, one of the courses I was at the other day only had four holes in their putting green. So I took three golf balls and I would putt and created an 18-hole contest. So I putted from six different locations, three different golf balls, and did the math. And what starts to happen is you start to get a better feel for the speed of the greens. But the longer I putted, all of a sudden I started sneaking in a 20, 30 footer from time to time that I didn't do early in the day. And again, it's one of those things I went out and played after the round and my putting was so much better. I didn't make any long ones on the course, but I had them just rolling up to the hole and just easy tap ins. Um, so like I said, Joel, one, those are two of the great putting games that I do a lot. The tutor to work on alignment or the ball gate that I talk about from Phil uh, Kenyon. And then um, the two-putt drill, just practicing two-putting from outside, you know, 15, 20 feet. And just getting that rhythm and that feel. Now, since we've finished off with the putting side, now let's go back to the short game. So like I talked about in, with Ralph earlier, just working on turns. Just hitting some 25% uh, percent shots to get that feel. Now, one of the biggest things I talk about with short game is having a go-to shot. And I don't mean it's every time, but it's the majority. So you're going to hit over 50% of the shots this way. And for me, personally, it's a 58-degree low shot. I don't like to bring it in high and spin it. Um, I like the low shot that kind of releases and rolls and that I can judge Um more predictable as we go through this. So years ago, I hosted a club I worked at. We hosted a Hooters Tour event, and this would have been early, mid-2000s. Um, and a lot of the really good players uh, that were on the Corn Ferry at the time, which was the buy.com or web.com, they had gone to Australia for the first month. So a lot of the guys, instead of traveling there, they came and played the smaller tour that was the Hooters. And I was fortunate to have Vaughn Taylor, Zach Johnson, uh, Eric Axley, uh, all play my course and got to meet these guys. But I really hung out with a friend of mine who's now a writer for Golf Digest named Pomp Braswell. And Pomp showed me this little chipping drill where you set up 10 golf balls and you put your tees in the ground and you have to get, in his case, in the same drill that I do, is 7 out of 10 inside that 3-foot circle. 
Also, I've practiced a lot of three-footers, so if I can get in three feet, I feel like I'm going to make the majority of those. So if I can get seven out of ten in that spot, that's going to help improve my short game because now I'm getting up and down 70% of the time and working on it. So get that go-to shot and use that because it's a 56 or a 58 or a 60, whatever you choose, Joel. But just set up that chipping drill and practice chipping it inside that circle. Um, and then another great version of that that Pomp also gave me is once I had the tee set up and after I chipped them inside the three-foot circle, then I went through and had to putt from each tee. Uh, I had to make a total of 10 in a row or 10 in a row or a total of 25 from each of the four tees. So I had one at 6 o'clock, 12 o'clock, 3 o'clock, and 9 o'clock. And so you putt uphill, downhill, right to left and left to right. And so you putt through and you make your, you know, 40, 50, 60, 100 putts, whatever it takes for you to pass that drill, but it kind of gets you used to chipping it up close to the hole and then finishing off, which ties right back into my two-putt drill um, that I did. So working drills in, so it's not just chip it, go pick it up and chip it again, but chip it and finish the hole. So a lot of chip pitch-ups and practice getting it in the hole, so practice getting the three feet and then practice making a ton of three-footers. Guys, girls, keep the questions coming in. We are loving it. Like I said, we are in the dead heat of July. Um, I know I've got a full tournament season coming up. I've got three events in the next six weeks, so hopefully I'm reporting in nicely how I'm playing in those and going. Um, But, again, I want to thank Mike, Ralph, Joel for sending in their stuff through Instagram and Twitter. Uh, Keep it coming. Uh, Everybody, get out and play some golf. We've got the, uh, the Open coming up. Uh, and over a little over a week, so it'd be good to see golf early in the morning. Um, so as we go to work, see how we can do and fair. Everybody's kind of picking John Rahm. Um, wouldn't blame him because he's just won the U.S. Open. He's one of the hottest players on earth. He is the number one player in the world right now. Um, I'll definitely want to hear your picks for the Open. Um, make it a little bit of a contest this time. Um, give me three picks. Uh, just see. Throw some names out there. Um, I know I've got a friend who's normally uh, in Vegas this time of year, so I'll text him and see if I like some of y'all's picks. Um, But everybody, get out, play some golf, keep the questions coming in. I'm loving this. Thank y'all so much. This is Paul Brandon, PGA Professional with Believe in Tennessee Golf here on the Believe Podcast Network. If you like the show, please subscribe and raise on iTunes. You can also find us on Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminaire, TuneIn. You can find us at Believe.com or at Believe Podcast. You can also keep those questions and comments coming in to me at Instagram at pbrandon21 or at Twitter at QIC underscore golf pro. Thanks so much. Keep it in the fairway. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.